I don't know. It seems like everyone hates it. How many times can I say art in the wrong way? <laughs> Ayrton. It's Ayrton. <laughs> say his name right, you damn yank. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Formula America podcast. We're your host, Kurt and Dylan. And today we wanted to take this opportunity of a kind of lull in the season, the racing action, to go over a couple of pieces of Formula One news that came out recently. Uh, mainly some comments made by Ralph Schumacher, who is Michael's brother and Mick's father, or I'm sorry, Mick's uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we want to talk about uh, pens- potential of an early driver lineup shakeup, and then uh, maybe a little bit about this new Formula One movie that's being put on by Mr. Brad Pitt and Lewis Hamilton, which seems to be like it'll be pretty exciting. It's like a Top Gun for Formula One. I'd watch it. I will watch it. I, I, mean, I will watch yeah. it, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that'll be good. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so Ralph, well, Ralph Schumacher's just kind of straight up stirring the pot. Yeah, and that was pretty interesting. So this all stirred from uh, an Instagram post that you sent me about some mm-hmm. comments he made. I got it pulled up. I'll, and, I'll read it. Yeah, let's go over that. So, quote from Ralph Schumacher, the car isn't great, but it's better than they say. One driver signs, misbreaks at the pit entrance, while the other hardly finishes a fast lap without crashing. Frank Williams would have clipped me around the ears. The trend just isn't good. Schumacher also think, thinks the problem isn't the doing of Ferrari's new team boss, Frederick Vasseur. A lot has happened already since he took office, said, the, said Ralph. I see the biggest problem with the drivers. For me, they're just not consistent enough. With his mistakes, Leclerc shows that he either doesn't have the maturity or maybe at the end of the day, he's not consistently good enough to win a world championship for Ferrari. And Sainz was eight tenths away from Lecure at one weekend. To be honest, the Ferrari team is currently doing a better job than both drivers. Mm, shots fired. Shots from, fired from Mr. Ralph. I don't know, man. I think he's I think he's wrong. I don't I don't see it. I think that there's a kernel of truth in there. I think that it, it's I think the Ferrari I was reading some comments from after the Miami GP. They asked um Sky Fox or F, one of the F1 official commentators and whatnot was asking Fred Vasseur if they were going to change the car to be more like the Red Bull style. And he said, no, they're not. He said the the Red Bull has two huge advantages over the Ferrari. One is the DRS, which he said we're actively working through. And two is the, um, the car's actual stability and the confidence it gives the drivers. He was like, so they have a more, they have a more stable air package, but it's, it's got second and third or third order effects that the drivers feel more confident driving it and are able to drive it faster and better. And so, you know, he was like with the cost cap and everything else, we can't build a new car. Same thing that, you know, Mercedes is basically saying, um, but they're trying to improve what they got and they think that they can do it, but the car's really unstable and the both drivers are saying the same thing. Right. And so when, when I read that comment about what he's, especially those two instances he's talking about, mm-hmm. Carlos Sainz locking it up, coming in too hot to the pits. It happens. And then you got, yeah, and then Charles Leclerc, who had a couple instances put into the wall two times last week. Same Um, corner. To me, what I think is going on, and and then also in conjunction with the interviews, Charles Leclerc talking about how unstable the car is, gets to high speeds, and it's almost starting to porpoise at high speeds. Certain, or he'll go around the same corner, and one time around the corner, understeers. Next time, it oversteers. For me, putting everything together what it seems like in my opinion is that the drivers are kind of having to toe that line and push the car to the absolute limit mm-hmm. to make up for the car's deficiencies and that envelope that threshold is so thin 
that margin of error is so fine that it's very easy to just step over and put it into the wall or whatever because it is so unpredictable. So, I mean, I don't, from everything that I see as an outsider, you know, obviously I'm not in the team or in the know, but it just doesn't seem to me like it's the, the drivers. It seems like they're doing everything they can. And Ferrari has one good driver, and in my opinion, one great driver. Yep. Um, kind of like before when you say Carlos Sainz right now is probably in the best car he could hope to be in. But I think with Charles Leclerc, I'm starting to see, like, I think he might be a potentially championship caliber driver, but he's in the wrong car at the wrong time. And we all know how short that window is mm -hmm. and how much Formula One and championships is kind of like luck of the draw. You have to be right place, right time, right car. And I, I don't know if uh, Ferrari is going to be able to get him there. Yeah, I agree. So. I think that I think Leclerc has world champion level talent. Um, I think he needs to adjust the attitude a little bit um, in a couple of different ways, right? Like right now he's down. I mean, look at your attitude and your confidence is huge. Look at Danny Rick over at McLaren, not driving anywhere near the caliber that he is capable of. And I think Leclerc is probably running into that a little bit. But you also look at the attitudes of like for i mean max verstappen obviously but um when they're asking him questions after the miami jam grand prix they're like do after this win do you feel unbeatable and he's like i always feel unbeatable it's kind of a hot you know whatever uh not not necessarily pompous but it, it, it's a egotistical thing to say but at the at that caliber i think that you have to truly believe that i don't think that you're able to go into that car into those races and be like oh there's a lot of better drivers than me out here like you're never it's like the boxing analogy if you go into a boxing ring saying the other guy's better than me you're going to get knocked out every time like you have to believe right. that you're capable of doing it and i think that leclerc is lacking that yeah, I think he's been kicked in the nuts so many times at this point. Like, he's just becoming like an abused puppy yeah. or something almost. Yeah, he really and is. I, I don't know. And so, like, looking into, uh, I was thinking about this earlier, right? And talking about Formula One and the timing, right? Just so happened that Max Verstappen is the right driver in the right car. And so they're going to win championships. Charles Leclerc is the right driver in the wrong car. And I don't know. You know, he's only going to really have probably one more opportunity. So his contract is up at the end of 24. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, it's going to be decision time, right? Is he going to re-up with Ferrari or is he going to move? And I think in order to just going off this year's results and this year's performance, I think staying with Ferrari means he'll never get a championship. Um, but unless they make some sort of major turnaround in the next, you know, 18 months or so, um, I still see that, you know, his best bet and I'm looking at his timeline for his contract, Alonzo's timeline for his contract. I really think Aston Martin, even if Alonzo's driving well, is going to want to get a young driver that can be their driver into the future. I think I see a spot for him going there. And they've got a lot of promise, especially with the new talk of the Honda partnership. Yep. So they're going to be no longer a Ferrari or a Mercedes customer team, potentially, if it goes through. Um, so a lot of bonuses and plus side there. And so I see that, you know, even with the rumors lately of him potentially in talks with Mercedes, I don't really see that one, man. It just in my gut, I think it's going to be he's going to move to Aston and I see Lando going to Mercedes. That's just me personally. Yeah, I kind of I'd have to agree with that. I don't think Mercedes isn't one to do a driver lineup shakeup and they don't have the drivers that are willing to do it. So I, I don't really see that playing out. But kind of going back to, you know, right driver in the right car, that's part of the fun 
of Formula One and the politics of it. You know, if Fernando Fernando Alonso had moved to Mercedes instead of Lewis Hamilton, would he be a seven-time world champion? Maybe. Probably a four, five, six-time world champion. Like, that's how good the Mercedes car was and how good of a driver, you know, Alonso is. Instead, he's a two-time world champion that, you know, is making a comeback, and Lewis is the seven-time world champion. Like, there's a lot of that backside decision-making that makes you a champion as well. Like, do you trust the the development team you're with, the constructor that you're with? Do you move? Do you... You know, and that's that's kind of part of the fun. You might miss out on a world championship because you made the decision to go with the wrong constructor. Like, yeah, that's a, a huge gamble. You you remember how much uh, shit Lewis got when he left McLaren to go to this young upstart Mercedes? Everybody thought he was crazy. Jeremy Clarkson calling him crazy on Top Gear. Yep. And now look, and then on the flip side, you've got Alonzo and or Danny Rick. Um. So I mean, yeah, we can a, go down the list of one. phenomenal drivers that never panned out because they were with the wrong teams. Like. Yep. It's part of the game. And I mean, it's like that in any sport. It's like that in football. It's like that in soccer or European football or, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's across the board. You, the team you go to is a huge gamble. So um, I think that's part of the fun of the sport. Um, I think that's a huge reason why I like Formula One over some of the more the rallies in the NASCAR and stuff like that, where the cars are so much more similar, um, where it's a lot more driver dependent. Uh, you kind of got the whole package here. Yeah. Hello. My bad. <laughs> um, so it, it'll be interesting to see. I think that Ferrari's got a long way to go, and I think they've got an uphill battle to get there. I think Ralph Schumacher's comments are a little more stir the pot than actual truth to them, but they do have to perform at their highest level constantly to score points, to get the monies in, to get the car developed. So, you know, it's a, it's a partnership for them. Yep. Maybe here's a, here's a theory. Maybe he's trying to stir the pot to get one of the drivers dropped to push for Mick to get in that seat. Oh. I'm pretty sure he's Mick's manager. <laughs> he's I, playing the long game. here. <laughs> okay. So let's, let's play that one out. So if you're Mick Schumacher, right. you're the reserve driver for Mercedes who isn't too, I can't even say they're too hot right now. They're freaking p4 and p6 and third in the constructors <laughs> almost catching aston martin with not that great of a car uh <laughs> do you move to ferrari or any other team oh hell yes without a doubt you would move <laughs> Schum- oh for sure mick schumacher i think at this point if anybody came and was asking he would go if it was a guaranteed seat w- other than waiting for potentially lewis to leave and then you've got all these other drivers that are going to be on the market eventually lando uh, Charlotte Claire, and now you've got to get into that. Hopefully, get into that seat. I don't know. I'm taking the the guaranteed bet, fair. And especially at Ferrari. That's fair. Mick Schumacher at Ferrari. That's the fairy tale, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, so yeah, that's that's a fair point. So what if uh, what if there's a seat opening up at AlphaTauri? Ooh, you like that segue? Well, you like how I've ran that straight into our second? Well, speaking of AlphaTauri, <laughs> <laughs> so. If there's a seat opened up at AlphaTauri, I think he would take it. But onto that, let's move on to our next part. So Nick DeVries, right? The guy who we pegged as being one of the top rookies coming into the season, and we've probably spoken about him in every podcast so far. Let me go over his record so far for uh, the 2023 season. So far, he's been out-qualified by Yuki in every race. Yep. Uh, Bahrain, he came in P14. Saudi, he came in P14. Australia. DNF uh, because he got uh, 
basically just rammed into by Logan Sargent at the end. Up to that point, not really doing that well anyways. Baku, DNF. If you remember Baku, that's where he crashed in Q1. He uh, crashed into Yuki, or hit Yuki during the race, which caused Yuki to crash, and then he crashed out himself. Yep. So DNF. Uh, Miami, P18. At the beginning of the race, he crashed with Lando. So he's not having a stellar or even a, a mediocre season by any means, to the point where he's already, you're already starting to hear murmurs of him getting replaced or being in trouble. And I wholeheartedly believe that he's not going to make it past the summer break. Um, he would have to make a complete turnaround in order for me to see him staying. And I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm on the side of the fence where I don't think that Alpha Tari car is that bad. It ain't great. Not saying it's a good car, but it's definitely not the bottom of the bottom, right? Like, I think it's a decent car, actually. Um, you just don't see it because, uh, well, you just <laughs> because of all this, all of the DNFs so, and everything else. So, yeah, I think unless he starts scoring points tomorrow, like, yeah, there's there's a lot of hungry people sitting in the wings uh, ready for that seat. So let's talk about that. In my opinion, and tell me if you think I'm wrong or if you have somebody else, but in my opinion, there's two main candidates for that seat. So the first one is the Alpha Tower Reserve driver, Liam Lawson. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's a, he's 21 years old. He's a Kiwi. Um, you know, he's had an incredible or a pretty good career up to this point. He, he holds the distinction of winning a race in his rookie season of each um, series that he's been in. Mm -hmm. Form, former, what is this, Formula Ford champion. He finished ninth in Formula Two, um, but so he's there. He's already gotten a little bit of time in the car, so he's ready to make the jump up. The other strong candidate I see, you can see my shirt that I'm wearing today. I saw it. You got Danny Rick, the third driver at Red Bull, and I don't think it's very outlandish. Danny Rick has apparently recently just had a seat fitting over at AlphaTauri, um, and on top of that, he's Danny Rick. So we talked about before. You know, the issue with Red or with Alpha Tower, what you're saying is that they have two green drivers, right? They don't have a seasoned driver to help them pull the team forward and help develop the car. So, I mean, I, in my opinion, you have those two options, and it depends on if you want to get another young upstart in there or if you want a seasoned vet. Um, and I see pros and cons to both, but I'm seeing a lot more pros to the Danny Rick side. Yeah. I agree. I was thinking about that this morning. I was making breakfast and I was like, Can't, is there an opportunity? For Danny Rick, eight-time Grand Prix winner, Monaco winner, like to get a seat. And I think this is probably one of the only opportunities he has, specifically for the reasons you laid out. You have such green drivers. Having that experience would help a ton. Um, bringing Lawson in, uh, it's a, you're just going to be running into the same situation. And I think that right now, Afatari needs that development feedback. Um, yep. So Yuki's it, been stepping it up. Yuki but, has uh, been he's still absolute, not a senior driver like that. No, and he's been doing he's been doing really really well. Um, he's got to work on his consistency. Um, the the things that are hurting Danny, I think, um, like there was an interview after Miami Grand Prix with uh, Norris and Piastri. Piastri, How, I butcher his name too. How Piastri. I, Piastri. I, I say Piastri. You say Piastri. You know, um, <laughs> he. Norris was saying how much more Piastri is pushing him than Danny did. Um, and th there's so many variables that go into that, but I think when you're getting rhetoric like that, it, it doesn't help. Um, 
but I think that Danny's got enough of a of a history to where that could be a very viable option. Yep. And so the way I look at it too is you've heard Danny say he doesn't want to be in a backmarker team or anything. But I think that this is his best opportunity to get back on track and prove his worth, yep. right? In my opinion, if I'm Danny, I'm going to take a and if I'm Alpha Tower, I'm going to offer the same thing. 6-month contract, you finish out the year, right? This will give you seat time back in Formula 1. It'll give us time with a season driver. At the end of the year, if he performs well in this car, then that's going to increase his stock for another team. Or if there is no other teams, then potentially stay at AlphaTauri. But I mean, we all know what can go on, you know, in the back half of the season, especially after the whole silly season, summer break. You never know what's going to happen with the driver shakeup. So you never know what team is going to have an open spot. So I think for Danny, this is his best opportunity. And for AlphaTauri, it's their best opportunity to salvage their season. I totally agree. I think that if you're Danny, you've got one or two opportunities to become relevant again. Otherwise, it's time to hang it up and uh, go join Sebastian Vettel. Um, right. I think that that's all you really got. You got to stay relevant. Um, and I mean, I think that you know everyone talks about age in this in this sport a lot, but Danny's got ten years of racing left in him. Eight, maybe. Like, I mean, Fernando's forty one. Lewis is thirty eight. Like. Yeah. Danny's not that old. What is he? 33, I think. So somewhere around there. 33, 34. So, I mean, he's got some time left. He's got a good amount of time left and he's a good driver. Um, I think AlphaTauri would be crazy to go with another new guy. Yeah. I think this whole move and the, the resurgence of Fernando is really good for older drivers yes. because you see the way the sport has been trending in the past 10, 15 years is younger, 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 younger. And now that it's like Alonzo's still showing like, hey, don't put us out the pasture just yet. Not only do we have the wisdom and the knowledge, but we can still perform like we need to. Yep. So I think this is a kind of a godsend. There's a lot of stars that I didn't see, but now the clouds are gone and I'm starting to see these stars align and there might be a shot for Danny to make it back on the grid, at least for a little bit. So I'll and not to mention, he's going to be testing at Silverstone. He's driving the RB19 just before the summer break. So that might be the make or break. If he gets in that car and starts knocking out really good laps, then you might have Franz Toast and Helmut Marco being like, hey, put him in that Alpha Tower seat. That'd be pretty fun. That would be. There's Sucks for Nick DeBreeze, but I mean, hey, man, you got your shot. Yeah, you got to perform. I mean, look at you've got if you're going to make waves coming into the sport, refusing to be called a rookie and all this other stuff, you better shut up and put up like yeah. know, Logan Sargent's not doing great. But he hasn't crashed out of every damn race and he hasn't, you know, made huge waves coming in and talking a lot. So, um, yep. you know, Piastri did the same thing. There's a huge target on his back. He had like five, you know, races to do something. And I think he's done it. I think Piastri is probably pretty secure in his seat at this point. He needs to continue to perform, but so does everyone else on the grid. Yeah. I think if, if you had Lando putting it in like the top five every race, mm -hmm. then Piastri would be in trouble. But, the fact that clearly that car is a dog, yeah. it, you know, Piastri has been doing pretty well. Um, there's going to be other people driving around the track at Silverstone as well. There is. You, you like know that, what? You like that segue that, as well, man, I'm just on it today. The king of segues today. You, that Celsius is kicking in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's move on to that. So it came out, you know, last week it's been in rumored for, or talked about for a while, but now it's really starting to make uh, headway and all. And a lot of uh, rumors going around about Brad Pitt potentially driving an F1 car and, you know, all these things. An F1 movie. car. I'm doing air quotes for all y'all right. uh, on the just audio. 
So yeah, so when it came out, I remember the the first thing I read uh, was that he's gonna be driving an F1 car along with the other drivers on the formation lap in Silverstone, and then once you like dig into it, kind of wrong. Yeah. So the this movie, let's go over the movie first. The movie is a Formula One movie based on or with the premise of a retired Formula One driver comes out of retirement to teammate or to pair with and mentor a young upstart driver michael schumacher right (laughs) there's a lot of a lot of things going on here so anyways it's going to be produced by uh lewis hamilton he started a production company called don apollo so it's going to be produced by lewis hamilton and apple um so you got jerry bruckheimer as the named producer who produced uh top top gun also produced Days of Thunder, so oh, he's got so a little good. bit of racing Rubin's experience. Racing Harry. Such, dude, I just rewatched that movie a couple so weeks ago. Good. It holds so up. good. That's an awesome movie. Um, and then from there you've got uh, Apple, who's on board with it, which is apparently why Tim Cook was at the race, interesting, flaccidly waving that flag last year at Coda. <laughs> and then, uh, so yeah, so you got those guys in it, and then you've got uh, Brad Pitt, who's the main character, and the guy from. I knew I was going to forget this. Uh, I can't remember the name of the show, but he's the the young upstart driver. I heard Lewis um, is trying to be in the movie as well. So he came, he does have a quote saying that he doesn't want to act in the movie, but him and some of the other drivers will be driving in the movie to create the realism. Um, there's a lot of rumors also where Tom Cruise was in mm-hmm. and then wasn't in, but now he might still be in the movie. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm a huge Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise fan, but when you're 55 years old, you're not fooling people that you're a current Formula One driver. <laughs> like, yeah, you can right. only do so much work, but, but you're still almost 60, man. Like, right. Um, and I also heard that the Formula One car that uh, Brad Pitt will be driving will be an F2 engine. So, and the F2 yep. engines, I think, are limited to 200 horsepower. Yep, they're calling it a modified F2 car, which is built by Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently he's already got over a thousand kilometers of practice and driving in the car. Um, so, I mean, he's been putting time in. And from what I'm reading, he's going to be in Silverstone and then yep. a couple other races driving I heard uh, Silverstone during the was weekend. The next one. Yeah. And so, that I mean, it's going to be pretty cool. I'm excited for the movie. They're expecting a late 2024, early 2025 release. Um, they're using a lot of the same technology they used to film Top Gun Maverick as far as those tiny cameras and all, mm-hmm. which one of my favorite movies, Top Gun Maverick was amazing. And yeah. so I think this is going to be pretty cool. I mean, you definitely had to, I think it was less believable of a storyline, um, all the way around, but it was a great movie. Like it, it just, if, if you just kind of suspend the belief of the actual storyline, the movie was awesome. Talking about Maverick. Yeah. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting. I mean, you've got um, what's the name of that movie with Nikki Lauda and uh, James Hunt? Uh, Rush. Ford versus for oh Rush, Rush. Rush was the big F one movie, but I mean that was a whole lot more about the relationship and the behind the scenes, not the racing so much itself. So it'll be interesting to see what direction they take this. But they've got some pretty big shoes to fill. I mean, it's good that they're running it on a fictional storyline. Suppose right. What was what was the other Formula One movie? Wasn't there one with was it Sylvester Stallone? Did he do an F1 movie? Oh, Driven. 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 Yes. That's it. So Driven. I want to go back and watch that. That one came out in 2001. Because <laughs> I remember watching it and being like, this is awesome. But I wasn't really a Formula One fan. I was just a kid or young at that point. 
you're in your uh your rave I was days. In my Fast and Furious days. Yeah, oh, my man. rave days. Yeah. Whew. Those Fast and Furious days. Oh man. Tune in the crust. <laughs> I actually had the uh wife was out the other night and was gonna watch a Fast and Furious movie, but if you don't have Hulu, you have to pay for it. And I wasn't willing to pay to watch a, <laughs> a Fast and Furious. I, there's a I know I own the DVDs somewhere. My wife was sending me something the other day where they're looking for, they're paying up to $1,000 for people to watch, I guess you got to get approved for it, to watch every Fast and Furious movie and count the number of crashes <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Dude, I stopped watching, I think, after Fast 7. Uh, I haven't seen any of the new ones. I I've seen all but, all but the last one, which yeah. I just started to fall out of it, you know. Yeah. The originals are still the best. Yeah, the except first for, four. Except for Tokyo Drift, that one doesn't count. I will go to my grave with that. I didn't think it was a bad movie. It's just not part of the franchise. Exactly. Call it its own thing. Just call it Tokyo Drift. <laughs> yeah, that'd be totally fine. Um, but yeah, so that'll be a fun movie, potentially. We'll see. It's. I'm interested to see Brad Pitt driving around. Again, he's he's coming up on 60. Like, you're really coming into reti- out of retirement. Uh, you know, last time he was driving was V12s. <laughs> Oh, and the guys from the show Snowfall, which I've never seen, but that's who the the other actor is. No, I haven't seen that. Um, well, cool. I mean, kind of wraps it up. We'll see what happens. I, I, in summary, I think that Ralph Schumacher is wrong. I think Ferrari has a lot of issues to work out across the board, not just their drivers. Um, and I think they've probably got the best driver lineup they can hope for at the moment. Um, Nick DeVries is probably out. Danny Rick resurgence. Danny. And, uh, and uh, old man driving F2 cars in Silverstone. Hey, I can't wait to show up to the race in Brazil in full Alpha Tower gear, head to toe. <laughs> 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 I'm going to be the biggest Alpha Tower fan in the world if Danny's there. <laughs> I'm going to wear an Art and Senna shirt so no one, uh, no one tries to kill us. <laughs> Ayrton Senna. Ayrton Senna. You better not say that in Brazil. <laughs> Damn it, Dylan. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Well, I guess uh, we'll be back next week with another uh, pod in the meantime before the race week starts. And then we'll yeah. come back with a prediction pod because we have Emila coming up, which excited. I'm excited to see cars on a proper racing circuit again. Yeah, they really talked about, though, that Emila is not the best racing circuit though that it's got its own quirks to it and so it'll be interesting to see how many uh i I think you know ferrari's already said they're bringing a ton of upgrades um but they also said they plan to bring a a lot more to barcelona so we've got emila followed by monaco monaco followed by barcelona so it'll be fun couple of weekends it will be All right. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you leave us a rating and a review and share it with a friend. And we want to say thank you to all the new listeners that we've had. We've been increasing like crazy over the past couple of weeks. So thank you for that. And make sure you share because it does help us raise up in the algorithm on these podcast platforms and get in front of more people. Uh, Absolutely. And if uh, you have any comments, complaints, concerns, uh, email us info at formulaamerica.us. There you go, baby. All right, Dylan, you got anything else? No, that's it, Kurt. All right, well, on that note, stay classy, America. See you next time.